When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. There are actually two types of grief in this world, and you probably only know about one of them. The second type that you more than likely have never heard of before is more common, can be more devastating, and most people don't even know it exists. I can pretty much guarantee it's happened to you, and I can pretty much guarantee that it is affecting you today. Today, I'm going to tell you all about it and what to do about it. So stick around. Welcome back to the psychology of depression and anxiety. I'm your host, Dr. Scott. I am not some scammy scammerton trying to get you to join my uh, monthly membership cult or anything like that. Just a psychologist who's really frustrated, to be honest with you. Frustrated that we haven't figured this out yet. I'm frustrated that it's so hard to just learn to manage your emotions and deal with this life that we're all shoved into and that my field although it has some great people in it who are working very hard doesn't have the answers that i wanted it to have and so i'm just trying to bring you some of those answers i have a book if you want to buy it cool if not that's all right if you're getting by with just this content that's really all i want so two types of grief we've got regular old grief that's when you had something and you lost it a lot of different ways that can look someone that was in your life passes away you get dumped, you get fired from a job you really liked, your house burns down, you fail a class and, and flunk out of a program that you were really excited about. All of these are examples of, I had this thing and now it's not present in my life anymore. That's certainly not an exhaustive list, but that's regular old grief. The second type of grief is what we call ambiguous grief. And ambiguous grief is realizing that you're never going to have something that you always thought you would have or wanted to have. In other words, you had sort of maybe this vision or this idea of what life would look like in the future for you. And at some point in your life, you realize that thing is never going to happen for you. And when that moment comes, when you realize that, it feels like the ghost of the deepest, darkest sadness you've ever felt in your life comes up behind you and punches your soul right in the groin. That's what ambiguous grief feels like. And yeah, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that is actually what it feels like. And most people won't even acknowledge it. In fact, you might not even tell anyone about it because you don't know what to call it, or at least you didn't until today. The world does not recognize ambiguous grief. The world does not generally consider realizing you're never going to have something that you didn't have in the first place to even be a significant loss worth identifying. But it basically feels like you are grieving the loss of an alternate universe version of yourself that is never going to be allowed to exist. It's never going to come to fruition. And it can come 
out of absolutely nowhere. Like you can just be walking around, minding your own business, thinking about something. And all of a sudden you realize I'm 50 and I haven't even started the path to my dream job, to the thing I always thought I was going to do. All this stuff that I said was just the placeholder. That's my actual career. The thing I thought I was always going to do, never going to happen. Or maybe you always thought you were going to have kids. And at some point along the road, you find out there, there's a medical condition present and, and you're not going to be able to do that. Not biologically anyway. Maybe you were a, maybe you were a gifted athlete in high school and you always thought you'd at least play college ball, maybe pro, but at least college, right? And you get hurt, you get a really bad injury in high school, never really come back from it. You're never the same and you don't even play in college. Your life takes a completely different path than you expected. We all face this. Nobody's out there living a life where all of their dreams are realized. It's simply not possible. And this ambiguous grief, when you realize you're not ever going to have that thing, or at least not the way you pictured it. Um, this, this also comes up a lot with parents of disabled children, for example. Yeah, you, you have a child. You are a parent. But it, it looks different. You know, it looks different than what you pictured. And there's going to be grief with that. This is real. This type of grief is just as real as the type of grief where you have something and then lose it. I want to make sure you hear that from me because you're not going to hear it from too many other people. And that's really a shame because I don't even know who you are listening to this right now, watching this, but I guarantee, even if it wasn't one of my examples, as I described that, you thought of something, didn't you? You thought of something in your life that you realize it's never going to happen. And it hurts to realize that. It doesn't necessarily hurt any less than standard grief. So let's talk about what to do about this then. All grief, both types of grief, essentially heal, if you will. And sometimes that word is lofty because there's some things we're never going to get all the way over, okay? But everything can get better. Grief heals through a combination of the passage of time and the experiencing and expression of the grief itself. It's, a, it's an interaction of those two things. Just having one will not be enough. What I mean by that is if you, have, if you had a loss 40 years ago and you have not felt an ounce of emotion around that loss, you've just kept that locked up tight in a safe with seven chains around it. The day you feel it, it's going to be like it happened yesterday. Time does not heal all wounds. But the opposite is also true. You can't go through a devastating loss, grieve as hard as you possibly can, like sob nonstop for seven days and get all your feelings out and then move on with your life and be done. It requires an interaction of time and expressing and experiencing the grief. I obviously cannot tell you exactly what that equation is going to look like for you. It depends on the loss. It depends on who you are. Some of us just take certain things harder than others. I have a tendency to take things very hard and grieve things that a lot of people don't even realize happened. We're all different in that regard, but you have to feel it. And it, it's going to take some certain amount of time. That's true with both regular grief and ambiguous grief. The best way to do that 
is to use a strategy that I call organic grieving. What organic grieving is, is it basically means you take the grief in whatever form it comes to you at any given moment within reason. So what you're going to notice when you're going through any type of grieving process is that the intensity or the acuity of the grief sort of comes and goes or ebbs and flows, kind of like the tide in the ocean. In other words, there's going to be periods of time when it just crushes you, when it just hits you so hard, you can barely breathe and you can't even think about anything else. And that can last weeks or days or hours. It, it's kind of unpredictable. It's not linear. And then there will be times when it fades, probably not all the way, but when this thing that you could not stop thinking about you know, two, three days ago, goes into the background for a little bit. Both of those extremes are part of a healthy grieving process. Neither one is bad. Grief is something that we experience in waves. And the waves aren't always like the first one's the highest and then everyone is a little lower. It, it's all over the freaking place with seemingly no rhyme or reason to it most of the time. I said within reason, because, you know, if you get hit with a grief wave in like the middle of work or something, I get that you might have to try to hold it in for a little bit, but don't make the mistake that a lot of people make, which is you hold it in for like an hour or two, and then it, it you kind of push it to the back. And then it's easy to think like, oh, I'm, I guess I'm done with that feeling. No, no. All you did was press snooze on it. It's still in there. It's just, it's, it's just like when you are like tired and you don't go to sleep and you get the second wave and you're like, oh, I don't need sleep. No, you do. You just, you just delayed it for a little bit. When you push the snooze button on your grief, as soon as it's safe, as soon as you're in a place where you can do it, you need to try to come back to that feeling. Okay. But on the flip side, during those periods of time where the grief backs off a little bit, don't chase it. And, and that might seem, that might sound dumb. You might be like, who would chase it? Who would want to feel more of it? But actually the truth is lots of people, because a lot of the time people freak out. And I mean that with all the love and respect in the world, when that feeling fades a little bit and they might think like, oh no, am I like, am I getting over this person too quickly? Am I forgetting about them? Am I in denial? Am I doing something wrong? I shouldn't feel this okay at this time. It's all just part of the process. Grieving is exhausting and your mind and your body will need to take breaks from the grief. Those periods of time where it fades to the back a little bit, those are breaks and you need them. So please let yourself have them. Please don't chase the grief. Remember that you cannot rush this process. And as long as you're allowing the grief to come forward when you're experiencing it naturally, you're going as quickly as you can. I hope that makes sense to you. You may also experience a complicated mix of emotions all at the same time. The, the kids one is a good example. Let's say you always thought you would be a parent and, and you found out recently that you're not going to be able to do that, at least in the traditional way. You're going to experience a whole range of emotions. You're going to have a lot of grief, obviously. I mean, this is a loss. It's a loss of something you thought you were going to have and, and now won't in the way you imagined it. But then you're also going to have these moments where you're out to eat at a restaurant with your partner and someone there does have a baby. And at first you feel super jealous and then the baby starts crying and the parents don't know what to do. And then you might have a moment like, oh man, like I'm kind of glad that's not us right now. And then you might think, well, what the, how am I feeling? Uh, two minutes ago, I was about to cry looking at this baby. And now I'm like, thank goodness we don't have a baby. Yeah. 
that's brains for you. That we're all over the place. This is how our emotions work. That's all normal. It is. It's all part of the process. So don't feel like you have to just pick one perspective and stick to it. Like, don't feel like you have to either be super sad all the time or like be totally okay with it and be like, yeah, no kids. This is, this is great. Who wants kids anyway? You're not going to consistently just experience one of those. You're going to kind of ping pong back and forth. And sometimes you're going to go vertical into some other emotion that doesn't even seem like it's related. All part of the process. I promise you it is. Let it all happen within reason. Another thing that can really help with the process of ambiguous grief is to have some sort of ceremony. And it might seem a little weird at first, but ceremonies are really important with grief. Normally, you know, someone dies, we have a funeral, right? And although those can be very difficult to make it through, they give you some important things in your grieving process. They give you a sense of finality. They give you a sense of closure. I know many people who have lost someone and weren't able to attend their funeral. And as weird as this may sound, although if you've experienced it, it won't sound weird. There's often a part of them that thinks, is that person still out there somewhere? I never saw them. You know, I don't actually know. I just, I was told that they're gone. And so I'm trusting that they were gone, but I never saw their body. Like, could this all be a hoax? Could this all be a scam somehow? If you don't get that sense of closure, it's really hard for you to fully invest in your grieving process because there's a at least a little part of you that isn't sure if you're supposed to be grieving yet because you're not sure if it's truly over. You don't get a ceremony for something you never had. People aren't going to hold a funeral for the baby that never existed, right? They're, they're not going to. But you can, and maybe even should, do something. I don't know exactly what you should do. It's going to depend on what type of loss we're talking about. But I really want to encourage you to think about doing something, some kind of ceremony, some kind of acknowledgement that recognizes that my dream has died. My dream is, is buried six feet under just like a, a body would be. And that's where it's, it's not coming out. It's This is done. This isn't going to happen for me. Without that sense of finality, we can stay in this sort of weird half denial phase for a really, really long time. And that's not a place you want to be. That is this weird limbo state that is just miserable. So think about a way to try to grant yourself closure for an ambiguous loss. The last thing I want to caution you about with regard to ambiguous loss or ambiguous grief is comparison. Now, comparison gets us in trouble all the time. Human beings are very social. We have a natural inclination to compare. It almost always makes us feel worse about ourselves. But this probably will never be more true than in the context of ambiguous loss. Because whatever the thing you're grieving is, unless it was something incredibly specific to you, there's probably other people out there who have it, right? And that's going to hurt. And it's, it's going to hurt no matter what. There's no way around that. But it's going to really, really hurt when you dive into those comparisons. You know, when you look at the couple who has this kid and you don't feel like they're taking as good a care of that kid as you would. Or you look at this celebrity who is, you know, famous for their famous musician. You wanted to be a musician. It's too late now. And they don't even seem to enjoy it half the time. They act stressed, they act burdened by their fans. 
and you think, gosh, they don't even appreciate it. Not only does this person have the thing that I always wanted, the thing I needed, they don't even care. They take it for granted. They take, they don't take it seriously. Look, I know how that feels. I do. This is not, I'm not making this video because I read about this one time and thought it was a cool concept. I know what it is to feel this. Okay. The comparison monster can kill you. It can. You just have to fight it. You have to fight that urge to compare. It will never serve you. It will never make you feel better. It will never help you move closer to healing or closure. All it will do is make you angry and hurt. I am not going to pretend to understand that I know why the things have happened to you or haven't happened to you. I, I don't know how to end that sentence, but you know what I mean? I, I'm not going to act like I get it. I don't have all the answers. But if you compare, you will fall into a spiral. You will fall into a pit. It's very, very difficult to pull yourself out of. So please try your hardest to fight back against that impulse. I know how hard it is. I hope this video or this podcast on ambiguous grief helped you somewhat. Um, if it did, and you're not already a subscriber to this content, I hope you'll consider becoming one. I'm going to keep making content like this because I think that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's how I make sense of all the weird crap that I've been through. So I hope this was helpful to you and I'll see you next time. Take care.